0: And he may have some extra bonus thoughts from time to time. So grab a cup of coffee as we start the week together on Monday Morning Coffee with Mark.
1: Good morning, good morning. Welcome to the Monday Morning Coffee podcast for Monday, May the 29th. How about that? It's Memorial Day. All the good things are going as summer gets underway and we're starting the podcast by talking about yesterday's sermon on repentance, which goes incredibly well with what we're going to read about this week in our daily bible reading and it all is wrapped up with a great cup of coffee so whether you're listening to this on monday or whether you took a day off because of the holiday and it's actually tuesday now oh don't get confused about the date don't worry about that too much let's just think a little bit about that sermon sunday from joel and then let's get into daily bible reading let's get it all let's get it all going grab that coffee let's get started Yesterday, I preached on the preaching theme for the year, having a heart for God, and it just seemed like the right time to talk about a huge part of having a heart for God is the ability to repent, and I borrowed out of our reading from Joel, and that great text in Joel chapter 2, on rend your heart and not your garments. Hope that sermon helped you. I think it's going to mesh so well with what we're about to read in the book of Jeremiah, and I just want to say this. I think you just go back and read the Joel passages over and over and over again until we get to the place where we realize how critically important it is to have a tender heart, to have that heart that can turn back to God when we've turned away from God. One of the driving issues in the scriptures is, is your heart soft or is your heart We're going to see more of that in our Bible class in Exodus, because we come upon the consummate example of hard-heartedness in Pharaoh, and we're going to see plenty of that in Jeremiah. When you do wrong, can you rend your heart? Can you turn back to the Lord? That's what that's all about. If you want to have a heart for God, that passage in Joel chapter 2 needs to be a huge part of your life. Let's think about Jeremiah then. Let's get ready for daily Bible reading in Jeremiah chapter 1. For our daily Bible reading today, we are reading on Monday Jeremiah one verses one to ten, and this is really where I love the podcast and where you're listening to it pays off because I'm able to give you some background information on Jeremiah. I did not have a slot this month to preach a sermon on how to read Jeremiah or do anything like that. Couldn't work that in, so here we go. The podcast is what's going to give you the information you need to climb into Jeremiah and understand what's going on here. Grab onto it with both hands. I really like Jeremiah a lot. He is the most persecuted Old Testament prophet. He is the only prophet to record an eyewitness account of the fall of Jerusalem. He is the writer of this incredible book and also the book of Lamentations. So much of what Jeremiah says is just so applicable and so helpful. But unfortunately, I think sometimes Jeremiah has been avoided. It's not the easiest book to read. I'll say something about that in a minute. And it's a lot of doom and gloom, and we don't like doom and gloom. But Jeremiah is an extraordinary prophet. He is a priest who is called to be a prophet. Don't know a whole lot more biograph- biograph- biographical, well, that's hard to say, biographical information about him. He does seem to have a bent towards sadness and lamentation, and maybe that comes because he is preaching, probably begins his preaching during the end of Manasseh's reign when the people are so steeped in wickedness. There are other prophets of his time, Zephaniah, Obadiah, Huldah, the prophetess, and Ezekiel and Daniel are all during the time of Jeremiah because he preaches for some 40 years, a long time. And as we're reading in Jeremiah, we're going to get a lot of information and a lot of emphasis on Babylon. So please make note that there's a change on the world stage. Assyria is declining and Babylon is coming on. They'll be the big dog on the block now. Jeremiah's main message over and over again is that the people need to repent. He kind of takes the Joel 2 passage and expands it into 40 years of preaching. I think that's a pretty good summary of Jeremiah. He does talk a lot about how security can only be found in God because as the Babylonian power rises in the east, there's lots of conversation about, hey, could we form an alliance with Assyria? They're diminishing, but maybe that would be enough. Hey, what about Egypt? Could we get Egypt on our side? And Jeremiah says, all of that's a mistake. Don't do that. Serve the Lord. Repent. Serve the Lord. So he calls for the people to repent so that God will not bring judgment upon them. Then at some point, Jeremiah shifts his preaching and starts saying, it's too late. Judgment is going to come. We just need to learn the lesson of judgment. And then finally, Jeremiah even has some things to say about how this judgment is for the purpose of restoration. That the idea is we'll learn from this so that we can serve God in a better way. And Jeremiah even has some things to say to the exiles who are by that time when he's writing that, in Babylonian captivity. Now, what's the hardest part about reading Jeremiah? I think the hardest part about reading Jeremiah is that it's not in chronological order. And while the beginning of the book is pretty much in chronological order, mostly set during the time of Josiah, after that it really starts to skip around, and it gets very, very difficult to keep track of who's king of what, where, and when, and and are we under direct siege right now, or is Babylon still coming, and could we still make an alliance with the Egyptians, or oh wait, they've already demolished the city. It gets very difficult, particularly for Western readers who want to read things in chronological order. It's not in chronological order. Maybe the other difficult thing is that he re- he preaches during the reign of five kings and four of them have a name that starts with J. Josiah, Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, and Jehoiachin. Thank you for everybody having a J to start their name. So it can be hard to sort out. As we're reading along and as you're listening to the podcast, I'll try to give you some information about who's on the throne and the time frames. Write that in your Bible. The next time you're reading in Jeremiah, that will help you tremendously. And pay attention to a couple of key words. Listening is a big emphasis in Jeremiah, who you listen to, who you hear, the idea of repenting and turning back, returning to God, that's used over a hundred times in the book of Jeremiah. So there's enough introductory stuff to get us going in Jeremiah. He is, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1, the son of Hilkiah, probably not the high priest who discovered the copy of the law during the time of Josiah that we read about yesterday. That's not who is in charge here. Uh, That's not who is Jeremiah's father, at least. And this would be about somewhere, verse 2, to whom the word of the Lord came in the day of Josiah. This would be in the 13th year of his reign, 627 B.C. Josiah began reigning in about 640, 641. So this is 627 years before the birth of Christ, give or take, roughly speaking, so forth. And Jeremiah will preach for the next 41 years. How about that? So what God begins with then is a motivational word for Jeremiah because his task is going to be so difficult. Some translations have verse 6 as him being a child, but it's better translated here being a youth. And God tells him, you're not speaking from your own authority. I'm going to be with you and protect you, and I'm going to give you the source. I'm going to be the source of your messages, verse 9. But as you look at verse 10, the close of our reading today, there's only two positive words there, and there's four negative words there. Mostly, Jeremiah's preaching, yeah, going to be kind of negative. Get ready for that. See you tomorrow, and we'll continue in Jeremiah chapter 1 on Tuesday. It is Tuesday, and today we read Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 11 to 19, and here Jeremiah receives two visions. He sees an almond branch, and then he sees a boiling pot. And in the Q&A on Sunday, I said some hard things about original language research, and that we need to be careful with all of that, and then here I'm going to cite some original language research. Let me speak in that particular direction. First and foremost, I'm not going to offer some kind of novel, new interpretation or new translation here of the word almond or something like that. Oh, I, I clicked on this word in my interlinear and I decided to offer an entirely different approach to Jeremiah 1 and verse 11. That's inappropriate, and I talked about that yesterday, or I'm sorry, on Sunday in the 9 a.m. as I talked about that in Q&A. Don't do that. We don't have the skill to do that. We usually don't have the tools to do that. We don't know what we're doing. Somebody cranks out a Greek or Hebrew argument that is far afield of what good, solid translations, how they have rendered a passage, you need to be very, very suspicious of that. No, the English translations are not perfect, but wow, they're done by a committee of scholars and you get four or five translations and they're all lining up pretty much the same way. And then somebody comes up and says, oh no, all of those people have it wrong, but I have it right. Come on, come on, come on. We, We just need to be super careful about that. That doesn't mean, though, that original language research never helps us. And when you consult good scholars, good commentaries, they can help us see what's going on here. Because in the English, this doesn't make much sense. I see an almond branch, verse 12. Oh, I'm watching over my word to perform it. What? What What does that have to do with anything? Well, maybe you have the marginal note like I do in the ESV, that the word almond in verse eleven, the Hebrew word for almond, sounds like the Hebrew word for watching. Hebrew loves puns like this, makes a word play, and and we have we have various devices like that, like alliteration, We'd like the preacher to have three points that all begin with the same letter, and he pounds out those letters every time. You know, don't don't let power possessions, or popularity take over your life. So we like that. That's a device, that's a rhetorical device to help us remember and to help something make, have some emphasis, make a point in our, uh, make a point and help us to remember those things. And so here you have almond, and it sounds like watching, and that works to make that more memorable. And then we have a boiling pot that is showing that trouble is coming from the north. The pot is tilting away from the north, indicating it's going to pour out on the south. So all of this works together to say that there's going to be some terrible judgments because, verse 16, they have forsaken me and they are involved in idolatry. Two things are being specified there as the reason for the judgment, and then God closes, verses 18 and 19, closes this message with a word of encouragement for Jeremiah, because what he says is not going to be very welcome to many, many people. We'll continue to read in Jeremiah on Wednesday. See you then. Welcome to Wednesday, and it's a special Wednesday because tonight we begin at Westside our summer series, The Case for Christianity, and our first speaker is Joe Greer. Here's Joe to tell you just a little bit about what he's talking about and what he's going to cover in his lesson this evening.
0: Hello, I'm Joe Greer. I look forward to being with you this week as you begin your Wednesday evening summer series, Tonight's lesson is both foundational and powerful. What was it that compelled the first disciples to become baptized believers? I would suggest that it was evidence. Evidence that was convincing and undeniable. They were moved by what they saw and what they heard. Would you come study with us? I look forward to seeing you.
1: I know you're looking forward to hearing Joe tonight. Let's get our daily Bible reading in from Jeremiah, the second chapter. Today we're reading verses 1 to 11. This is a very picturesque section of Jeremiah. If you're going to answer the question on the back of our reading schedule about metaphors, question 4, what figures of speech or metaphors are employed in the text, if you write all of these down, you're going to fill a notebook up in a hurry because Jeremiah loves pictures. And what dominates our reading today in verses 1 to 8 is the picture of an unfaithful wife. We'll go on from there to see a broken cistern, a plundered slave, animals, a degenerate vine, verse 21, a people who are stained, verse 22, an animal in heat, verses 22 to 25. I mean, it just goes on and on. He really, really likes to put a metaphor out there to illustrate what he's talking about. And this material, chapter 2, really runs in a unit all the way to chapter 6, where Jeremiah is exposing the people's hearts during the time of Josiah's reforms. One of the problems with Josiah's, wow, that's difficult to say, one of the problems with Josiah's reforms is that the people don't seem to really take that to heart. They don't return with a whole And I wonder if there are some complaints arising during Josiah's reforms. Maybe what we see a little bit further in chapter 2, we'll get to some of this later. In chapter 2, we'll see that the people are not comfortable with what Josiah is doing. Verse 23, maybe people are complaining. Verse 25, maybe people are saying, hey, I haven't done anything that's so bad. Are we seeing a little bit of that here in, in, in Jeremiah? Is he having to deal with some of that in his preaching? What really stands out in our reading today is in chapter 2, verse 8. The priest did not say, where is the Lord? Those who handle the law don't know me. It's all about relationship. These people have forgotten God, and Jeremiah says that failure falls on the priest. Then in verse 9, he shifts to the imagery of a court case and even talks a little bit about those in Cyprus. And those who at Kedar, Kedar would refer to the desert tribes. Your translation may have Kittim instead of Cyprus. That's the coastlands. Those people, Jeremiah says, they're at least faithful to their gods. Their gods are false gods, but they serve their gods. No, not my people, God says. They're not faithful to me. Israel is the only nation to have worshiped the true one God, And they're the only nation to have exchanged the worship of the true one God for the vain pursuit of idols and idolatry. That is, Jeremiah says in tomorrow's reading, appalling. We'll talk more about this and continue in Jeremiah chapter 2 tomorrow. But tonight it's the case for Christianity and then tomorrow more in Jeremiah. See you tonight. It is Thursday and today we read in Jeremiah the second chapter verses 12 to 20. We will not read the entire second chapter. Feel free to go ahead and read it on your own time if you would like to, but Jeremiah is such a lengthy book. We just can't read everything, so we'll be sampling, make certain that you're paying careful attention to the reading schedule, and you're doing the readings that are set forth for that week, especially because, as I noted, Jeremiah is not in chronological order, so sometimes it'll be a little skippy as we jump around as we are trying to read it in some sort of chronological order meshing it with the history in Kings and Chronicles. So let's get started in Jeremiah, the second chapter, verses 12 to 20. I think verse 13 is the key verse in our reading today. There is the double sin there called out of omission and commission. One scholar said the most reliable and refreshing sources of water in Israel were her natural springs. This water was dependable. Its clear, cool consistency was satisfying. In contrast, the most unreliable source of water is cisterns. Cisterns were large pits dug into the rock and covered with plaster. These pits were used to gather rainwater, and the water would be brackish, and if the rains were below normal, it could run out. Worse yet, if a cistern developed a crack, it would not hold water. To turn from a dependable, pure stream of running water to a broken, brackish cistern was idiotic, yet this is exactly what Judah did when she turned from God unto idols. What an outstanding quotation. That really helps us think about verse 13. And maybe a good application here is to ask, what do people turn from God to serve today that is just a broken cistern? Do you see broken cisterns in your own life? As you continue to read, notice verse 16 references the Egyptians. Don't forget Pharaoh Shishak had invaded Judah in 925. about several hundred years now before the time of Josiah, but 1 Kings 14 covers that in verses 25 and 26, and that is a time when Egypt had triumphed over Judah. And then I love verse 17 here, answering the question of verse 14. What's the problem here? The problem, verse 17, is you. This is all your fault. And that is expanded then in verse 18. The nation is vainly going from Egypt to Assyria, trying to forge some kind of treaty that would guarantee her safety. Finally then, verse 19, your evil will chastise you and your apostasy will reprove you. This is a basic principle. This is God's modus operandi. The punishment fits the crime and particularly the punishment comes because sin has within it its own bitter payback. When you get involved in sin, it's not just an eternity without God that you face. It'll make your life miserable right now. One scholar said the greatest judgment God could send to disobedient people is to let them have their own way and reap the sad, painful consequences of their own sins. And that, of course, makes verse 20 even more poignant. God long ago broke your yoke. God is the God who freed them from the. Egypt, God is the God of the Exodus, and yet now you bow down under every green tree like a whore. You refuse to serve God, but instead are caught up in idolatry. We'll shift out of Jeremiah 2 over to Jeremiah 3 for our reading to end the week on Friday. See you tomorrow. Welcome to Friday, and today we turn our attention to Jeremiah the third chapter. We'll read verses 1 to 14. The dominant word here is the word turn or return or faithless or backsliding. They're all in the same word family. They're all in the Hebrew, the same form of the word turn or return. So underline that in your Bible and watch for all of that. It begins in chapter 3 and verse 1 with the discussion of how if a man's wife leaves him and they get a divorce, she was prohibited by the law, Deuteronomy chapter 24, from ever being reunited with her first husband. Yet Judah has left Jehovah and lived as a prostitute with many lovers. These actions are defiling her. And so what the prophet says here is that God has the right to not take her back. What's Jeremiah getting at? Jeremiah's getting at they need to quit taking God for granted. Remember, God did divorce the northern kingdom. In fact, that will be the point in verses 6 to 11 in our reading today. So don't look around and say, "Meh, you know, whenever we get around to repenting, whenever we want God, God will certainly take us back. God will forgive us. It's all just good." No, it's not. You're behaving in an offensive and awful way. In fact, one writer commented, this material is kind of hard to read. There's lots of polluting the land with your prostitution and with your with your whoredom. You have the forehead of a whore. This probably is a little, eh, maybe a little PG rated as we're trying to do some reading in our Bible with our family. But one writer said that not only is this offensive, what is offensive is the behavior of the people of God. And that's exactly right. Rather than turning away from this, we need to talk about how God feels When his people turn from him. That's what's going on here, and that's what's important in our reading today. Notice verse 3, there's a fulfillment of where we started the year in Deuteronomy chapter 28, the blessings and the curses, that's being talked about, showers being withheld. In verses 4 and 5, I think this is a real problem during Josiah's reformations, the people cry out to God, but Eh, they don't really repent because it seems like, as we get into verse 6, the days of King Josiah, that she, the people of God here, the she, she will return to me, God says, verse 7, no, she did not return to me, verse 10, with all of her heart, but in pretense. But in pretense. Pretense not to get ahead of myself, but when Josiah dies and is buried with great pomp and circumstances, oh my, and then the next king comes up, there's just an immediate return to idolatry. And and there's a little bit of this, hey, wait, what happened to all that Josiah did? And I think Jeremiah is giving us some insight into this. The people did not return to God with all their heart. Wow shades of Joel and the things that Joel says about repentance. So go and proclaim these words. Look to the north, verse 12. Is the north still there? No. God carried them away. God took them away because of their sin. So don't think, That we can just sin, 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 and oh, it'll never make any difference. God will always forgive us. No, you need to repent, and the key to repentance, verse 13, is acknowledging guilt, and that you rebelled against the Lord. That is what repentance is all about. That's what these people need, and you know what? That's a message we need today as well. On Monday, we continue in the third chapter of Jeremiah, This is some strong preaching, but it is some needed preaching. Well, there you go. That's the podcast for the week. Thank you for listening. You know what I'm going to say here. If you love the Monday Morning Coffee podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe or follow and especially to rate and give the podcast a review. That helps more people find the podcast. And of course, the best thing to do is to share the show with someone else. That helps more people read and understand the Bible. Well, until next week, I hope that your Friday is wonderful and that the Lord will be with you today all Day. I'll see you on Monday with a cup of coffee.
0: Thanks for listening to the Westside Church of Christ podcast, Monday Morning Coffee with Mark. For more information about Westside, you can connect with us through our website, justchristians.com, and our Facebook page. Our music is from upbeat.io. That's Upbeat with two P's, U-P-P-D-E-A-T, where creators can get free music. Please share our podcast with others, and we look forward to seeing you again, with a cup of coffee, of course, on next Monday.